Hello, and welcome to Racket Play Podcast number 71. My name is Dave Heineman, and I'll be one of your hosts as we continue to explore retro games and game culture. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Stringer. John, how are you tonight? Pretty good. I think we need to mix up this intro some, Dave. It's become too predictable. It's easy to not have to think about it. Yeah. If, I, if, I, if I have to come up with something creative, is, then... Is this uh, how you... How, how do you start every lecture? Do you say, hello, I'm Dr. David Heineman, and this is your <laughs> lecture for today? <laughs> I, I say, uh, uh, bow before me, minions. <laughs> your instruction is about to begin. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I mix it up for that, but I, it's also... Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I... If I gave the podcast presentation the way I gave a lecture, it would, you know, it would be like maybe a preview of what we're going to do, a review of what we did last time, mm. up, update on upcoming assignments. So I tend to we start kinda do that, kind of we, announcements we, and things. We, we talk about feedback from last time, and we talk about what we're playing right now currently going on, and then what uh, news items. So it's similar to one of your lectures, I guess, in, in format. Perhaps. Maybe maybe I've unconsciously allowed the format of a lecture to pervade the format of our outlines. Yeah, yeah maybe. How would you how would you approach it? Uh, but so lots of screaming and uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, may, maybe for episode uh, seventy two, we'll let you do the intro. We'll see how it goes. Oh man, <laughs> I'll do a Dave a mimic, and then they won't know who it is. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, well, we should probably uh, instead of jumping right into our normal thing of what we're playing, we should probably uh, just offer a kind of a quick apology for folks who had gotten used to. To hearing this show every couple of weeks, I think in the last uh, month and a half or four, we've uh, we've sort of fallen out of that a bit for for a number of reasons. Uh, mostly my fault, really. Just other projects and things going on. Uh, I've had a few guests that we've tried lining up here and there that has ended up taking longer to get them to to uh, commit, or dates have changed. And uh, you know, the original idea was to to stagger uh, a regular show with me and you. Than with a, a guest show in between, and I think we did that fairly well for a while, but uh, we we haven't been able to do that as much the last few months. And again, mostly my fault. But just so our listeners know, we haven't abandoned you, and we're still uh, we're still working on some guests. Uh, we have a couple guest shows still in the uh, in the hopper, but uh, it's been a little bit difficult to nail down dates, uh, at least for me and and for some of the guests as well. Yeah, and then we have our charity event sometime in the near future. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, for the charity auction, we had a uh, someone donate uh, very generously to have the chance to uh, be a guest on the show and have some some say in the show's direction. Uh, if you notice, it wasn't actually a guest director slot the way it has been before. I, mm-hmm. I didn't quite go that far with co-host. it. Although they ended up, yeah, it's a co-host spot. So uh, yeah, Aaron won that, and uh, I think he has some ideas in mind for what that'll be. So. I would guess that uh, as we sort of get going here into the spring and summer, uh, the shows will be a little bit more variety. I know that uh, uh, at least I, and I guess you're still trying to sort it out, I plan to go to, to PAX East next month and probably grab some interviews there, uh, some of which will air around that time and some which we might put in reserve. But uh, so, you know, if you're getting tired of tuning in every week and just hearing John and I chat uh that that will uh that'll fall off a little bit more uh and we'll get back to regularly scheduled events as as the weather gets warmer though you're supposed to help me find a hotel room in uh boston well i've I've looked a couple times to see if things have opened up over the last month or so and (laughs) there's nothing nearby and uh even things like near the t-line which would allow us to take public transportation in uh also not opening up so 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure we could do something similar to what we did last time, which was, uh, you know, find a hotel further away. Uh, you could, you could stay there by yourself or I could come out and stay with you or I could stay with my friend and you just kind of, uh, come drive back and forth and pick you up and do that stuff, which, which worked last year. Um, yeah. so it was just kind of hoping that maybe you find a, a different arrangement, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was wondering actually, and we can talk about this more after the show. Did you, uh, as I've been looking, I've been looking, you know, kind of concentric circles out from the convention center or things near the T, but I, I haven't actually looked near the airport. Uh, did did you notice if so. there were hotels near there that might have a, a line in that's more convenient? I, I didn't consider that. There are some, but I mean, they're about as far, um, not quite, but it's almost as far as the last place. It's like to the airport and then northeast of the airport some. And so I don't know if that was really going to uh, be any more convenient for you, but let's not bore our users with our travel plan, or sorry, listeners with our travel plans. <laughs> uh, we, we talk about this a little bit after, but suffice it to say... Dave is definitely going to PAX East. I might be going, and, and or I might be going to E3 this year. Well, so that I've been accepted to both. I haven't decided, or I may go to neither, depending on money. I have a angry wife that doesn't like me going on vacations without her, with the, and leaving her at home with the baby. So we'll see how it goes. Well, you see, <laughs> uh, you have to. You have to. I've been doing this ever since. Uh... I yeah. guess for the year my son was born. So you have to, you have to, you can do one of two things. What's worked for me is, uh, she actually came out there with me one year, um, yeah. when my son was, I guess, one and, uh, or maybe not quite even and, uh, stayed with some family in the area. And we had, we had a nice enough stay with them, but, uh, I think she just didn't enjoy it enough to like be comfortable not feeling invited every year. Yeah. And, uh, she knows it's kind of a regularly scheduled event on the, on the calendar. So, yeah. E3, get, yeah, I have a you, couple uncles out there, but she's not going to want to sit with my uncles all day while I'm out at E3. Right, right. So that I don't think she'll have very much fun. And, uh, and like, to you, you can drive to Boston, and it's relatively close, whereas to me, plane flight, hotel, all that, it cost me almost a grand for the trip. Right, right. So it's a, it's a significant expense, not just like I'm driving to Dallas or something like it is for you, sort of. Sure, yep, no, I understand so. that. So, but uh, I guess let's get on to our regular show. Okay. Well, why don't we start by uh, talking a little bit about what we've been playing lately and, and picking up? I, I'm I'm sure if we were to go back all the way to the previous recording, there's more stuff than this. But I, yeah, I just, I I just, just like, kind of put in some recent stuff here. Go down the list if I we went back that far. But yeah. uh, playing, uh, I've been going along pretty well with our together RPG group, which you have totally neglected, Dave. Mm-hmm. Very disappointed. Uh, you didn't play one of my favorite games of all time, which is Ogre Battle. Mm. And uh, we had several users play that, and I, I beat it with the best ending. And uh, had enjoyed my playthrough with that. And then it has prompted me to start Ogre Battle 64, which I've played twice. Had it back when it first came out, but I've actually never beaten it. So I want to go through and beat it this time. And the story directly follows uh, that of the first one with uh, some returning uh Characters and, and and such. Do you not do you not like the game as much or haven't in the past? I do. Oh, okay. um, I like it. It's a really good game. Something about the way I you said just, it made it's like oh, you know I've only played it a couple times and it's no not, I've you know. played it twice. I just for some reason I haven't beaten it. And oh, okay. Or I've beaten the first Ogre Battle at least ten times. So okay okay. Um, and then once I get done with that, our next game actually it's current right now. It just started two days ago. Is uh, the first Sukoden. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've played that one and beaten it before, but I didn't get 
all of the 108 stars, and they got 106. So I was debating on if I'm going to play it on the Vita or play a, my PS1 disc copy. And the only reason why I would play it on the PS1 disc copy is so I can beat it and transfer my save into a Sui Koden 2 playthrough, which I haven't played that in a long time, uh, so I guess since it came out back in late 90s. Uh, so I wouldn't mind doing that, but then playing it on my Vita sounds appealing too, so... Right. I just have to see which which way I'm going to go, but uh, it's a, one of my other, you know, all-time favorite RPG series. Um, I didn't. I guess pick, I didn't realize it was a. Uh, it was on PSN the first one. I know the second one's not. But. The second one is not. The first yeah. one is. Yeah. yeah. Is it uh, how long of a RPG is it? Uh, you could probably beat it in twenty twenty five hours. Hmm. Okay. It's a, this one's fairly. It's, as far as PS one Super Nintendo RPGs go, it's fairly short. If you don't care about doing all the side stuff and collecting all hundred and eight characters, mm-hmm. uh, you could probably do it in the upper teens. I'd imagine. But you know, as you know me, I like to be a little more thorough in my playthroughs. So right. it takes me more on the twenty to twenty-five range. All right, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, right? Yeah, we are. I yeah. think so. Um, pickups. I have a whole bunch. I had some decent uh, form pickups and a few uh, eBay ones, uh, a local one even. But uh, my my coolest pickups are probably Game Grounds and El Viento and the Genesis, mm-hmm. and I finally got the Tales of Symphonia HD Collector's Edition, or the it's Tales of Symphonia Remaster Edition, or whatever whatever you want to call it yeah. on the PS3. Is there a what's in the Collector's Edition? Uh, little figurines and an art book and a couple other little things. It's a uh, you know a decent little box size, a little bit smaller than the Tales of Zillia and uh, the Nino Kuni, but. Uh, Decent size little collector edition. Hmm. Um, so that, those are my pickups. I uh, this weekend, however, uh, with forum user Red, uh, some symbols in his name too. I don't remember what they were, but uh, he's not a very, uh, I guess, uh, regular member on the forums. But he has uh, a Neo Geo cab. He's looking to sell or trade a two slot MVS Neo Geo cab and. I have some N64 games that I'm not necessarily looking to get rid of, but if it can help me procure uh, a cab, I'm going to trade some of those and a little bit of cash to pick that up, and we're supposed to meet up this weekend. So Cool. You have a good spot looking. to put it? Yeah, downstairs yeah. next to the R-Type cab. Okay. Okay. You think this uh, one will get, get more play, you think? I played the R-Type cab, and it's really a hit in uh, for parties when sure, we have sure. uh, yeah. gatherings here. So it always comes on, and the, you know we have kids that come over, or my niece and nephew, or some kids of friends of ours. We always turn it on, and let them have at it. So yeah, but I already had. I do have an MVS, a consoleized MVS already. So I have you know five or six games, but this one comes with a couple games and a multi cart. So I'll, oh, okay. I was gonna say you have to get a multi cart if you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a two-slaughter. I imagine I'll just leave the multi-cart in one, and then if yep. there's a game it doesn't have on it, then I'll, I'll that I have, that I'll, I'll swap that one through. But you know, for it's a it's a very reasonable price, so it's one of those. I, I feel like I shouldn't pass it up, though. One of the games I will be trading is my complete in box Conquerors Bad Fur Day. So, oh, but I think getting uh, I can I can acquire one of those a little bit easier, uh, reacquire one of those easier than I can finding a. Uh, a Neo Geo cab at a decent price in decent conditions. So, 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know my thoughts on the N64 and its library, so I, I think yeah. it's an amazing deal. <laughs> like, there's, there's like any any N64 game, I'd be happy to get rid of for. An well, he's for that picking game. up Conquers, uh, Mario Kart 64 Kart, and Mario Party 2 plus some cash for it. Okay, that's the deal in place, and hopefully by next show I'll have it and I can let everyone know what I think about it. Yeah, cool. What about you? I know you've been uh, you've been playing some newer games. Yeah, well, uh, I guess I'll kind of go in a different order than what I have on here. But uh, okay, uh, I when I when I got my PlayStation Four in uh, November last year, I, uh, I one of the games I picked up at launch was Assassin's Creed Four, and I saw quite a quite a good chunk of hours into it at the time. Uh, but I I probably spent half my time playing this campaign, uh, you know, the main story, and, and the other half just kind of screwing around collectibles and different uh, side missions and things like that. And uh, then other things came out and the holidays happened and I just kind of uh, got distracted. So I, I finally went back and uh, put in more time to that. It was actually quite a long campaign, especially for an open world game. Uh, I guess I probably sunk pretty close to 30 hours into it, uh, all told. Um, probably, you know, two thirds or more of that just, just playing through the campaign. Um, which was a little bit, I mean, you know, a little bit longer than the, uh, the previous Assassin's Creed game I played was, uh, I think Marvel, probably more like 10 or 12 hours. So, uh, but it, it's, I mean, it's, it's really, I think I've gushed about it before on the show. It's an excellent game. It's, uh, uh, I, I'm not really a pirate guy, but, uh, <laughs> I, I really liked the game a lot anyway. And, uh, I enjoyed the pirate stuff and the naval battles and the, uh, uh, treasure hunting. And I just, it's just got a lot of interesting things going on. The story is, uh, hit and miss, and they still cram in uh, some sort of like modern day stuff into it, which is stupid. But uh, you know, the, the gameplay is fun enough that that it's easy to forgive that stuff, and uh, it's probably still the best uh, best game I've played on the PlayStation Four thus far. Hmm. So, still the second best pirate game of all time, behind Pirates Gold. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Pirates with the exclamation mark. Have you played it, Sid Meier's Pirates? Which one? Assassin's Creed 4? It is still on the shrink wrap on my shelf. Yeah, see, well, before you make any claims, at least give it a go. So I've, I've, pl- I've, play- I've played some of Pirates years ago. Uh, it's not a genre I enjoy, so I, I much much more prefer the uh, Assassin's Creed 4. But, uh, you know, if you if you enjoy both genres, then I think maybe you'd be in a better position to make a, a good judgment there. But, uh, you know, some people might say that the... Uh, the uh, Monkey Island games would be better pirate games too, right? But I also don't care for that genre. So, uh, anyway, uh, so I finished that up and, uh, I've, I've probably three hours or so into, uh, playing the, uh, the Van Helsing game that's sort of a Diablo clone. Um, it's a, it's on the PC. I don't, I don't know if it's any other, any other platform or not, but, uh, I picked that up at a Steam sale at one point some time ago and, uh, uh, decided that uh, I'd give it a go. I saw there was a sequel coming out soon. I kind of, I'm, I'm planning to get the Diablo three ex- expansion later this month, and uh, figured that uh, I'd sort of scratch that itch a little bit earlier this month to, to get back into the genre. And so, um, I've been enjoying that. It's a pretty competent Diablo clone, and uh, has uh, some looks pretty good and controls well. But by far, what I spent the the most time playing the last week is uh, Titanfall. Um, for for the Xbox One, uh, probably uh, the only game that I've uh, really felt that warranted, you know, getting the system in the first place. Um, the uh, the game is just really addictive. I spent a lot of time with the beta, 
when that was out a couple of months, or I guess a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I'm, I think the game came out Tuesday. Uh, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday and I've already hit, uh, level 30. So wow. I've, I've probably put, uh, probably put a good seven or eight hours into it over two days of, you know, regular working days where I've been on campus most of those days. So, uh, yeah, I've been up late playing and, uh, it's not getting old. I don't assume it will get old anytime soon. Uh, I, I, that's probably fair to say is my major pickup too, because, uh, <laughs> I bought the, uh, the collector's edition of that, which comes with this, uh, comes with an art book and it comes with a, a poster. Uh, but the, the, I guess main selling point is it comes with this, uh, statue of a Titan from the game that's, you know, it's, it's about two feet tall and, uh, just about as wide. And, uh, uh, the box for this thing, like I, I took pictures, you, you, you're familiar with my Eclipse. Like it, it didn't really fit in the front seat of my Eclipse. Like I had to yeah. bend the seat all the way down and kind of like push it over and it was still How like, How the hell did I fit in the front seat of my Eclipse? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're less boxy, I guess. I guess so. So, but, uh, I mean, the, 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 probably the next largest, just for a frame of reference for folks, the next largest, uh, collector's edition i have is is the uh kill zone 2 collector's oh, the, edition the, Helgus the, 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 helmet? the helmet yeah. yeah and i would say i mean so if you're familiar with the size of that box um I, I would say that this box is four times that large easily wow so it's really big like i was really surprised by how big like it's you know like or is if you're if you're stuff com- full or is there a lot of empty space in there? there's a lot of uh there's a lot of styrofoam in there to, uh, to keep okay. it safe but i mean that's a good thing right because it's yep. you don't want it to break so a lot of those collector edition figurines and stuff broke all the time and yep. shipping yeah but uh you know it's pretty cool it lights up it's got led light i don't know if it's worth what i paid for it but it's you know I, i've been you know keeping an eye on the and it, it, it really is seemed to be so far uh, one of those truly limited editions, and yeah. uh, most of them are selling for uh, you know a, a, uh, about a hundred dollars more than it was at retail already. Oh, nice. So you know I'm not looking to sell it, but it's nice to know that I didn't buy something that's going to drop to yeah. half the price like some collectors editions do within a month or so after the game. Came you know out. the one I was thinking about getting was that uh, Splinter Cell with, with the, the night vision plane. Oh, no, the, the remote, remote control. Yeah. Yeah, they they had that on sale for like eighty bucks, and I think just for the remote control plane, that was probably a good deal. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't know. You have to go out in a big field and, and yeah, all that, that plane. So yeah, I thought it, I almost pulled the trigger, but I didn't. But uh, so and that so uh, I mean, if our listeners are curious about Titanfall, I mean, it's uh, I'm I'm not really. I mean, I like first person shooters, but I tend to to really be someone who plays the, the campaigns, and Titanfall doesn't really have any campaign that's worth talking about. Um, it's got this strange multiplayer campaign that's just cutscenes tacked onto regular multiplayer rounds. But um, I mean, it's the, the the closest I can sort of uh, compare it to would be the the excitement and fun uh, I had in the late '90s playing things like Quake Three Arena or Unreal Tournament when those games were brand new. Um, just like the sense of speed and control over your environment and the. Uh, 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 the the balance of uh, sort of anyone who uh, as as any minimal amount of skill being able to to find ways to succeed and and uh, place well I mean I, I'll have rounds where I place at the very bottom uh, and I'll have plenty of rounds where I place at the top of the score and uh, I always feel like it's generally fair like if I make mistakes it's my own fault and always finding new ways to kind of improve my game so it's it's really uh, it's got a real nice arcade quality to it. Most of the matches are really short. Like, that's one thing I tend not to like about, like, the Battlefield series, for example, is that the matches tend to be really long. And, 
I kind of like that. You like the, the longer long, matches? Epic long battle. The only problem with the long matches is if one side's really getting their ass kicked, you're just sitting there forever on a losing side, a hopeless battle. But for the long matches that are kind of back and forth, I think that gives the best experience. Yeah, well, I think part of the reason I put so many hours into this is the short matches really kind of drive that, like, okay, just one more sort yeah. of thing, and, like, you keep I doing that. that. Yeah, you know, as, as opposed to sitting there and playing on a map for 20 or 30 minutes, and you're like, oh, I really don't have time to do another one of these. You know, oh, of course, I can do another 10 minutes. Uh, you do that enough, and it starts racking up, so... Anyway, I mean, it's it's really fun. Uh, good good sense of movement and uh, the art design. And everything's pretty cool. Uh, I, I would. I, I know you're thinking of maybe trying to, to check it out for PC at some point, but I would debate it. But yeah. I need people to play with. I don't want to just play a bunch of uh, random jackasses on it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you get an Xbox One, you can play this jackass. So something yeah. to consider. There's not a lot else out there for it yet. Sounds expensive. I think I'd rather go to E3 and wait on an Xbox One. Yeah, we'll see. You need to write a PAX. You need to write a grant for one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I need to score one of those. Sounds sounds like a plan. Um, And uh, the other other pickup, uh, something I paid for probably, I don't know, before you were ever on this show, Um, and that was uh, the, the Redux Collector's Edition. Um, which is probably the ugliest collector's edition I've ever seen. And, uh, I haven't even opened the game or the soundtrack yet, uh, because I just, I think I've vented before about my frustration with WhoCast and the, the guy behind the, the Duck series in particular. And everything I've read about the game is that it's horrible. And so, I don't know, one of these days when I find the energy to take a photograph of it and, uh, put it up on my trade list. You'll probably see it there. But uh, so you're going to get rid of it. Yeah, I, I might. I might get rid of it without even playing it. I don't know. Uh, at this point, it just seeing the thing kind of irritates me. So it kind of has some interest in getting it out of the house. But we'll <laughs> see. And now, now I don't know if you follow. He's releasing uh, Ducks 1.1, which is now the fourth version of that game. At least this one uh, isn't trying to masquerade as something other than than what it is. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean. It's it's a sad situation, basically trying to uh, exploit the goodwill of people who want to collect Dreamcast mups that are you know homebrew or indie stuff. So is it uh how much did you pay for that if you don't mind? It was a Kickstarter. Um, uh-huh. I, I think it was a hundred. So I mean it's okay. it's not an unreasonable cost. Oh, for it, a, I think I was on here when the Kickstarter thing happened, or was it really early in Kickstarter? I want to say this was really early. Like this was uh, you may have been. I mean, this was, uh, let's see, I don't know. I, I would guess probably late 2012. Maybe. I started in February of 2012. Well, it's been that long already. It's been two years? Yeah. Jeez. Think, yeah. yeah, okay, all right, so I guess you were. But uh, it felt like it felt like a really long time <laughs> since I ordered it. And uh, they're just, the, the, the company's just not very good at communication, and uh, they... The, the collector's tin is like the the most kind of generic looking uh, metal tin that has a sticker slapped onto it, and uh, I, the, I can hear like the discs inside the case aren't secured very well, and uh, I don't know, it's just it's just a piece of crap. So everything about and the game is like apparently freezes and it's buggy, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a sad thing. So. Anyway, I uh, that that's my other pickup. Other than that, I've just been basically buying uh, some digital things here and there that have been on sale pretty cheap. I I played the I played the uh, the the Last of Us DLC, Left Behind. Yeah, I knew um, that. Yeah, so it's it's pretty quick. So I mean, I I had some uh, 
some extra money that I'd gotten from something in my PSN wallet. And so I ended up picking it up for, you know, like an extra seven or eight bucks out of pocket. It's otherwise you're paying like 15 bucks for what's really two, maybe two and a half hours, even if you kind of take your time and, and try to do everything. So, you know, I mean, if you don't mind spending 15 bucks for that, but I think it's probably a bit more expensive than, than most folks are usually thinking that they're, they're getting for that, that kind of output for DLC. Gotcha. I, uh, I paid the, I got the season pass thing. Oh, okay. So you have it anyway. Yeah. I think, right. Is it part of the season pass or was that just the... Should be. Yeah, I would guess. Yeah. That's the only thing that's really come out yet, hadn't it? What, the Left Behind? Yeah. Yeah, it came out uh, Valentine's Day. No, I think that's the only thing that's really come uh, out. No, yeah, there was some like multiplayer maps and things like that. I, I never played the multiplayer that game. I haven't so, either. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't strike me as a multiplayer type game. No. So. I've heard good things about it, but I, you know, not not didn't sound like an interesting world for me to play against other people in. So. Yeah. The uh, I was going to bring up something. Uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> okay, but um, let's I lost see. my train of thought. Uh, oh, otherwise on here I, I have uh, for things going on. I, so uh, next week is our spring break, so I'm uh, taking that opportunity to do uh, some writing. And uh, I, maybe since the last show, I got feedback from my uh, uh, my full book proposal that I'd sent out back in like September, October. My publisher got back to me, and I'm trying to uh, finish the revisions on that over spring break. And I also need to uh, finalize writing a, a lecture I'm giving about games uh, at the university at the end of this month. It's like a a public lecture. Um, so there's, uh, if you, if you, uh, seen on Twitter or Facebook, anyway, my, my personal account, so you can see that. the Every time I see ho- it, I horrible, ugly picture of me that, uh, it's, it's hilarious. is now plastered around campus. <laughs> it is, it is pretty funny. I got, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a thing, but, uh, anyway, so that's, uh, that's what's been occupying my time otherwise. And, uh, I think I don't want to say too much about this yet, but I've told you about one other company I'm working on something with, and that's the major steps of getting the first batch of stuff for that done are now out of the way. So hopefully, I can say Very more nice. about that next show. Very nice. Yeah. So I guess uh, that covers our activities. We can talk about some news. Yeah, sure. So what's news? Well, this is actually today. I think many uh, forum users have seen it. It was posted on our forums by uh, the creator, but he also it's uh, got some attention on some websites. But it's the analog uh, interactive analog NT guys, uh, Christoph on the forums. He's a regular poster, and uh, uh, many people know him from the you know Neo Geo MVS, uh, mm-hmm. the, the high end MVS, yeah, uh, consoleized MVS systems, the wooden ones, yeah, right, with the black and the uh, I guess the oak or the maple or whatever maple, and um, it looks like their new product they're coming out with is a uh, an aluminum, uh, basically a NES Famicom dual system. Well, it's and it's not a uh, it's not like a Retron. It's not a emulation or anything. It's actually According to him, re-engineered NES uh, Famicom with uh, RGB video output, uh, hi-fi audio, and uh, four players. So uh, people thought he just gutted an NES, stuck it in a nice case, and said, you know, voila, put a put a mod on it. But apparently him, it's uh, all new hardware, uh, just following, being re-engineered from what they know of, uh, I guess, some NES schematics or what have you. So. Mm-hmm. 
he hasn't given all the details on that yet, but he says pretty soon he's going to show us a picture, and then, well, we might have some pricing at the end of the month, which uh, I can dig this. This seems pretty cool. Uh, the biggest, I, obviously, I think to many of us is going to be the price, the sticking point. Uh, the MVS systems he made are awesome looking, and I would love to have one, but I don't. I guess I don't love the uh, the Neo Geo enough to spend the, that kind of money on on a, a system for it. Yeah, where I can, you know, I got my consoleized MVS, and it looks decent enough, and it works just fine for about two hundred dollars. So, if you can come in a, within a reasonable price on this NES system, I would be interested. But I have a feeling it's going to be on a higher end scale with that. Uh, you know, it's like a brushed, nice aluminum, and. Uh, the kind of video and audio output, especially since they put a lot of time re-engineering this. Uh, what do you think about it? Uh, I, well, I think for me, uh, before I had any interest in it, I'd want to see uh, really a, a, a have a better sense of uh, what people think of the Retron 5, which is obviously going to use emulation. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, I guess I don't really care if the emulation is really good. Uh, I don't care whether it's actual hardware in there or not. And, and then, then it'd be a question of, well... You know, how's the video signal compare? How do the, the the other features compare? I kind of like. I mean, I have a regular NES, so it's not like I can't play NES games. It's not like I can't play Famicom games. So it would really have to. If if because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the Retron Five. So like yeah. this, do I really need yet another device to play Nintendo games? And and what can this offer that would persuade me to buy it over the Retron Five and, and lose those other systems that I'd be getting from it? Well. The Retron 5, like I said, it would be emulation, and you would be maybe not play, able to play Drac- uh, Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse or some of the other games that won't quite play on uh, on those systems. That Your audio is probably going to sound a lot better coming out of this. Maybe. I, I mean, we don't know yet, right? So that's a, well, yeah. he, if he says it's real hardware and it's hi-fi audio and it's you know supposed to be really good video output, then I would assume... And, People, you know, who are very, are into the high-end, you know, stuff that shelled out money on the MVS systems they make were pleased with them. So I'd imagine they do quality work. Mm-hmm. Where the Retro 5 may be quality too, but they've had a lot of products in the past that weren't, you know, they, they're good for the casual NES player, but those who, you know, cared about... You know, some of the higher end audio and video probably would not have been happy with their system. Yeah, well, and that's maybe that's fair because I'm not, I don't consider myself a someone who's high end NES player. I mean, it's rare that yeah. I even throw on NES games. So, right. So, yeah. this might not be for you, it seems. Yep. You'd rather just have a all in one system for uh, functionality and practicality than uh, more of a high end device. Yep, I think so. Is that fair? I think mm-hmm. so. Yep. See, I don't even know if I'm getting a Retron 5 since I have all the other systems already. Well, sure. Yeah, I do too. So the, it's the uh, it's it's the uh, high-def output. It's the uh, built-in yeah. save-state stuff and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, I mean, the attraction is I can hook it up to one of my high-def TVs sure. and not have to worry about swapping other systems in and out if I just want to play a, a cartridge game for a bit. Yeah, the Retron 5 might be good for something to put in my main uh, living room TV while I have my systems uh, hooked up into my retro room on the the big CRT. That might be an option for me, but I don't know. The biggest thing to me on this analog interactive uh, NES will be the price. If it's, you know, I have a feeling it might be over $200, and that's way out of my range for an NES NES player. Yeah, if we're getting close to the Retron Five price, maybe 
you know, 80 to 100. I, I could possibly see myself going there, but I have a feeling it's not going to be that cheap. No, yeah, no, I would guess over 200 is a fair, a fair, I, I fair would, guess, yeah. I would say so. Probably, I would expect it to be 2 to 250 would be my immediate guess from from what they have and what it is. And, you know, for it, there is a market for that kind of stuff, so that might be that high end that people want to, to, to put that kind of the money out to get the, you know, the top quality, you know, products and, and, uh, and items, so. Yeah, well, and, and that's, still, that's still more of an impulse price than the, uh, the, the MVS units would be. Yeah, sure. But the MVS units inherently are more, or, you know, getting a Neo Geo system is inherently more expensive than an NES to begin with. Yep, yep. So I think that's a big part of it as well. So we, it's something I'll keep an eye on, and I find it really interesting, and I think some of our listeners will be very intrigued by it, but it's going to be one of those really niche items, and I think that's what they're going for. I think they really the, their niche. The, the best way for us to have a good opinion on this would be to get some uh, review review. Units. Yeah, uh, there you go. Come on, Christoph. <laughs> we need to try this thing out, and we'll talk about how good it is. Yeah, we'll do a whole, e- we'll do a whole episode on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, no, definitely something worth keeping an eye on, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. And uh, how about you? You got some news for us? Yeah. Well, mine's also NES related. Uh, so uh, this is right, really something that I was I was kind of curious your opinion on because I know uh, you, you have the Wii U, and uh, yep. I don't know if you played around at all with the first NES remix. And it, it seems like that game was like people liked some of the idea, but it wasn't really well received. And uh, maybe a month ago or a couple weeks ago now, uh, Nintendo announced that in April they're coming out with a sequel. Um, that, uh, has, like, an entire game of Super Mario Brothers in it with Luigi, um, and, uh, I guess mixes more games than the first one did, and, uh, so, did, did you play the first one? Does this one sound better to you, or same, more the same, or what? I didn't play the first one, and I probably won't play this one. Well, this one's a Mario, but I'm not really into the uh, little mini-game type collection stuff like this, so it mm-hmm. doesn't really appeal to me. Okay. Well, so, so I don't no, know. I, I don't. I don't know what there's or talk about that. So I just remember the first game people were kind of disappointed in, and uh, I, I thought that maybe this was uh, an attempt to try to f- address it's those kind problems. Of like a, I think there's a bunch of little short challenges from games they mixed up and changed from the original format. Some and yeah, I think that's what it was. And w- from what I read, I was like, ah, you know, it's not really my thing. So yeah. I passed. What do you, What do you think of that general idea of uh, a sort of creating a uh, a game that Mixes together other games, so I mean, it's it's one thing for Nintendo to do, but like, could you, uh, you know, like think about um, like a bunch of Genesis games, kind of mix matched, where one minute you're doing something from Sonic, the next minute you're doing something from Golden Axe, next minute you're doing something from Streets of Rage. Like, do do you think that that general idea for a game is interesting? Personally, for me, it doesn't. That's why this didn't interest me. But I don't think I think uh, it is for a lot of people. So I think it's something that should be there. It's mm-hmm. just not my cup of tea. I guess would be the best way to put it. So, uh, I it's just I don't know. I'm not against it, but it's just not you know nothing I that really strikes me. So oh, yeah, I want to check that out. It just doesn't interest me all that much. Yeah, you know I just realized I, I know I already talked about the Titanfall thing, but I realized I probably I could have bought a Wii U for the same price that I bought the uh, and I Titanfall. still I still haven't bought a Wii U. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you spent that much on that Titanfall thing. Yeah, it was. Hey, why don't you yeah. sell it and get your money? You make your money, like he told me on the Nino Cooney. Yeah, right. And uh, and buy a Wii U. No, no, well, because because my son absolutely his eyes lit up 
like like Christmas morning, and like the kid loves it. Like he 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 gets mad if I play the game and he doesn't watch. So like he he's he's he he calls the Titan my buddy, and uh, he's oh, uh, he, he's he's like he's really into that game. Yeah. So so like the statue, like you know, when he woke up that morning, like he wanted to get up early and. Uh, it was like going down to the Christmas tree. He was, he's so like, I guess it'd break yes, his heart. Yes, Sorry, yes. son, I sold yeah. your Titanfall statue. Yeah, but we're going to play NES Remix too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's sticking around. He likes it and, and so do I. So it's a nice, well, it's a nice father son bonding thing. Yeah, that'll work. Yep. You can't put a price on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, well, that's, that's our news. Not, not really been a lot of news, I think, going on for, uh, you know, retro gaming related stuff in, in my, opinion the last uh, last six months or so i i've often had trouble kind of coming up with stuff for that segment of our show that's been fairly quiet i guess hadn't it yep yep so well All let's right, let's uh, go ahead and move into the the main topic which i'll go ahead and let you uh introduce since this week it was your idea yeah uh with the recent tales of symphonia and the final fantasy 10 and 10-2 that's coming out soon i thought we'd discuss hd remasters and what our uh thought thoughts are about them and uh most of them are more on the sony side i I know several of them were cross-platform and went to the 360 but uh what do you think of some of these older games being made as hd uh being repackaged hd remakes you know sold at about 40 dollars a pop and uh, some of them in collections with a bunch of games some of them uh, by themselves Uh, i think there's been mixed uh reception form and and uh, maybe what games would you like to have as HD remasters? Yeah, well, the only one I guess I've I've played. I was trying to think about this. I oh, I, I played maybe about ten minutes of the the Devil May Cry uh, uh-huh. remaster, and it was. I mean, Devil the Devil May Cry series is one of my favorites, and um, it was it was fine. It felt a little weird in in high def. It didn't feel quite accurate, um, but uh, you know, I, I haven't really spent enough time with it to be a, a fair judgment. The, the game that I've spent a lot more time with. Uh, that I, I played through was the uh, the Halo uh, oh, yeah. re-release, the, the high def uh, Halo Anniversary, um, uh-huh. and I was really impressed by that. It uh, I had already played through the original Halo a couple times previously, and um, you know I was I didn't really think I would want to stick with it to play through it again in high def, and I don't I don't know. I mean, part of it's a testament to the original game's design, I think, but uh, it was you know it was fun to sort of see that world through a, a fresh set of eyes but uh there was also i mean there's also a lot more time and attention put into that than i think there have been in most of these uh sony high def re-releases or Mm -hmm. or other things so uh i I don't in general uh i've picked them up just because they they tend to be cheap and it's a nice place to have a collection of uh older games in one place that you can pop into you know something your high def tv but uh i I haven't really been floored by any of them that I've, you know, uh, so, so much that I want to like pop it in and play it. Yeah. Um, I, know, I mean, have you, so before I talk about ones that I might like to see, have you, have you have spent much time with any of these? I know you, you have a couple, but have you, have you actually yeah, played have, through uh, some? You, you did, I guess the Bowder's Gate, was that a, does that count as a well, high def remake? I, uh, that's, hmm. That's not what I was thinking of when I made that, but now that you bring that up, because yeah. I spent I time with that kinda too, kind of counts. Yeah, it does, um, yeah, I guess. I mean, the resolution's high def, but the the pixels aren't, you know, right? Um, and the uh, that one I enjoyed a lot, but there's that's that's more of a. I guess that counts. Okay, 
Uh, but yeah, I like that one. I like the God of War one. I uh, have fun with that. I have the whole Metal Gear collection. I haven't played that one yet. I have the Tales one that I hear is pretty good, but I think they obviously they use the PS2 version, so there's... I can't remember there's some kind of uh, maybe low time issue or something with it that stuck around that the GameCube version didn't have. So oh, that mm-hmm. might be a little disappointing, but the cool collector edition it came with, packaged with the the second game from the Wii, was 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 nice. Um, and the one I've probably most looking forward to of all of them will be the Final Fantasy X and ten two. Though not really ten two, but did you like the, Final uh, Fantasy X? I liked it as a game. It's not one of my favorite Final Fantasies, but I still think it's a good game. Yeah. And it's one I wouldn't mind replaying, and that I'd been thinking about replaying for a while, then I heard this came out, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll replay it on that. But I also really liked that it's coming out on the Vita. Yeah, is that where you and think you'll play it? I, th- I think I'm going to... I already have the PS3 HD... Uh, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the Collector Edition coming. Mm-hmm. Just to have as a, you know, it's going to be a limited run item from this. Well, I think it was. Maybe it's not from the Square Enix store only. You can't buy it retail other than that. And uh, I think I'll get that and keep it as a nice collector item. And then uh, get a get a Vita copy for a play copy when the price goes down. Because, you know, it's inevitably going to drop here fairly soon. Most of these HD re-releases don't keep their their value up too high. Just because uh, yeah, what they are and when they've released in the system's life, uh, life cycle. But... I have a few uh, of these, and uh, in general, I you know I think why not? And uh, it's a great way to experience some of these games and make them uh, clean them up a little. But they're not really quite you know. I, some people go in and they're like, yeah, it's going to look just like you know the new versions of the games. So well, it's not. It's still you can still tell it's like a PS2 game. It's just touched up. Yeah. So you can it still shows some of its age as far as uh, how it looks. It's just it's cleaner and a higher resolution. So, yeah, I mean, in general, I like it. I, I've heard many have some issues with, like, slowdown or uh, things not quite being right. Uh, I think I do have the Ico and the uh, oh, Shadow yeah. of the Colossus one. Yeah, I one, have that I, one, too. Yeah. I hear that one's a really good one uh, as far as they go, so it's one. But What about, did you, did you play Wind Waker? Yeah, oh, yeah, my wife has that one. Yeah. Uh, she, she loves it. So that's a, that's a good example of a really well done HD remake. I think that one uh, that one, I've watched her play it. I haven't played it myself, but it looks it looks really nice mm-hmm. for for what it is. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a really good example of one. Yeah, um, I, I guess if I had to think about like games that I would like to see have that treatment, uh, I, I, I guess I mean because most of them, the ones we're thinking of are ones that were sort of uh, late late. PS2 or you know like from PS2 GameCube Xbox yeah. era not not so, we're not t- talking so much about like uh well, I eight, love eight some 16 of those. bit games remastered in HD. I would possibly love some of those but uh the likelihood of those happening aren't near as no. like you know uh well some of them have been remade like some of the say Final Fantasy 4 has been redone on the PSP and on the DS. Right. So I guess those kind of count I don't know if they're necessarily HD remakes but they're, they're just remakes. Like, the PSP is like a remake, and the sorry, the Tactics Ogre on the PSP. Those are just remakes. So yeah, yeah. These uh, these are more like the same exact game with a you know a shinier coat of paint, right? Of, right. The best way. So I mean, I guess uh, you know, there, there's really not too many games that I'm I'm from that particular era that like yeah. I'm dying to see them in high def. Um, you know, uh, th- th- I think. 
there are there are games that uh, from that era that like I wouldn't mind having uh, some some of our listeners this would be blasphemy, but to, to have a, a digital version of it that I can just kind of have sitting on my yeah. on my PS3 or my PS4 or whatever, so that and and then of course I'd want it to also be in HD since it's on that system. Um, that you know are games that that now it's kind of a task to pull out the PlayStation 2, go hook it up and and play. Um, you know, but like. I wouldn't mind seeing the Grand Theft Auto games maybe uh, mm-hmm. done with the, the HD treatment. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe the, um, uh, the some of the shmups of that era, so like Gradius V, um, certainly the cave games. Uh, I'd like to see, and some of that happened on the 360 uh, yeah. with some of those, but I'd, you know, I'd like to see more of those maybe get the, uh, the, the, the conversion to, uh, you know, high-def TV. Um but uh i mean mostly it it's it's mostly i guess sort of more arcade style games like i i feel a lot of the longer games from that era that i actually played i i'm not dying to go back and play them in high def i don't know i i'm i'm hard pressed to think of any that I, like i really like oh i wish i could play this in high def like if i want to play it i'll just go back and play it on the system and yeah. uh you know like i i mean maybe some of like the um like the GameCube Star Wars games, like those might be uh-huh. kind of cool in high def, but uh, I mean, I, I, it's not like I'm hooking up a GameCube to a high def TV, right? Like you and I both have CRT TVs, so I. Well, you know. my GameCube. Well. Well, well your yeah. GameCube or your PS2 or whatever, you can hook them up to. A, I have uh, component cables for my GameCube. Right, but you have it hooked so up I to hook a CRT, or you have it hooked up to a high def. One hooked up to a high def. One hooked up to a CRT. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm inclined to, I'd rather play them on the original hardware through component or, you know, at least S video on a, on a nice CRT TV. And, and I don't feel like I'm, uh, playing them upscaled on a, uh, high def TV that I'm gaining too much. Hmm. Other than maybe having them sit there digitally and not have to swap discs in and out. Well, if they're redone for an HD remaster, then it's already done for you nicely and on the mm-hmm. high def TV. Right. Right. There are some games I would like. Uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games would be good ones, I think. But see, but um, they exist in high def, basically on PC. Yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be bad to get a console version, and it shouldn't be that hard to do it since they already do exist mm-hmm. in, the, in the form. Um, what about the? Because they were remade for um, at least iOS. I don't know if they were on Android too, or the are the remakes oh, there. Or the, what are those like? I don't really pay attention to phone games. To yeah. be honest. I don't know if that sounds pretentious or not, but well, I, don't know. I mean, I, th- I think the idea was not. I, I think the idea was more about playing them on uh, tablets, yeah. Right, given the given that games because uh, there's a lot of small text and things like that, right? So I, I think that uh, it was remade with the idea of tablets in mind. Possibly, um, a lot of the remakes from the PS2 that I would mind seeing already done. You know, like the God of Wars and such, some of those action games. A um, couple others I wouldn't mind would be. Uh, Dragon Quest Eight would be a game I think it would look really nice on a uh, uh, HD HD retouch on it. Final Fantasy Twelve would be another one, and despite some, you know, it's a very polarizing game, but it's one I really like. I liked it more than Ten, to be honest. I guess I guess it depends on how they do these, right? Because yeah. if they just basically uh, up resolution it and they don't adjust the textures and uh, add in, you know, better lighting and things like that. I mean. Well, they don't add in lighting. They up the tech. Well, but, but, up the so, resolution, and they kind of touch up on the texture. Yeah, a bit. but oh, I mean, like so, something like the the Halo one. 
uh, does. Like it, it did an overhaul, uh, yeah. lighting and textures and, uh, you know, um, you know, is the resolution obviously. And, um, I, I just like that, that was a pretty dramatic overhaul. And I think the Wind Waker game does that too, right? Like yeah, it's not just simply so. that they take the same game and upscale the textures a bit or upscale the, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, use their highest quality texture. I mean, I think, I feel like they, actually go in and like make some new assets and apply it onto the old engine or something. Uh, I, I don't know how they do it. Right. But uh, I mean, so I, I guess if they, if, if they pay attention to it and they really like, you know, put time and effort into it, like, I feel like maybe that's an acceptable approach, but just just kind of like most of Sony ones I feel are just kind of slapping on, you yeah. know, a fresh coat of paint basically and changing the resolution and saying, Oh, here you go. And, and that does, well, that doesn't interest me. I'll see what the Tales of Symphonia one looks like, and I'll see what the uh, the Final Fantasy X one looks like. Yeah. I hear I'm hearing good things about the Final Fantasy X version, though. So I think I'd rather I just think, a remake altogether. But yeah, but they're too soon for remakes. I'd want something like a Final Fantasy VI or VII remake, right, and yeah. you know, Chrono Trigger remake. You know, some of the old 16-bit games redone and. Then you know that's that's actually a whole new topic altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will that ruin the charm of them? You know, so but that's a whole another path to go down there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. uh, yeah. So all right, well, you want to move to the forum thread of the fortnight? Yeah, let's 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 move on. I think we covered these enough. Yeah, sorry, I'm a bit of a downer on that one. <laughs> Just <laughs> the, the, I, and I probably have. I mean, I have like a half dozen of those uh, those games yeah, and some of those like- collections. I just. I, I never really play them. Like they're just kind of sitting there as like a convenient place to have a few games collected in one spot. Yeah, knowing you, it seems like an HD remaster on a system would be something you'd be interested in too, which is strange. Really? Are more interested in, in a lot of? Yeah, I yeah. think it's something that would appeal to you. Well, least. I mean, I guess when I think about when I go back and play retro games, like I I tend to because because now I consider PS2, GameCube, like those are retro games now, right? So yeah. So uh, when when I go back and play retro games, it, unless it's an arcadey sort of style game, I, I, t- I tend to go back and play 8-bit, 16-bit, and some 32-bit stuff. tend not to go back to the PS2 and GameCube era and, and play these kind of longer, more involved stories that are pretty similar to what the current-gen stuff is anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So that maybe maybe that's why. Like, there's there, there's not there's not a charm in going back to genres on the PS2 that, like, I can't play sort of newer entries in them. Um, or... Uh, and, and so playing, you know, one of those older games that just kind of looks nicer doesn't really appeal to me. I guess I can see that. Yeah. So, anywho, all right. So I, we we stayed on it a little bit longer anyway. Uh, <laughs> so the forum thread of the fortnight that I picked uh, was this thread started by uh, Koso Kelso Anim Kelsoanim. I don't. He's from Seattle area, uh, and. Uh, he, he talked about this idea that um, it's a thought I've had from time to time, and I know uh, he's gotten a lot of response to this thread, which makes me think that you know not a lot of other people have had similar thoughts. And, and that's this question of uh, uh, having sort of local people in your life that like to play games or not. So he, I'll just go ahead and read this for our listeners. He says, it's a little difficult to admit, but I don't really have any gaming buddies aside from some recent Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate games at lunch with some coworkers. I'm almost 100% a solo gamer. Now, I do primarily like to play single-player games, but I do wish that I had some gamer buddies, especially to play some retro multiplayer games with. I do tend to keep to myself a lot, but it would be nice to have some gaming days with buds that I used to have when I was younger every now and then. Does anyone else here have this problem? I feel like I'm probably in the minority, but I'm having a hard time meeting people who are into gaming, like 
I am that I can hang out with. Anyone have any advice? Uh, and, and I guess maybe part of the reason I picked this is that, uh, I, I can find some, uh, I, I have some sympathy for his position here. I've, uh, often, uh, not, not so much lately. Uh, I, I haven't had the interest and desire in playing multiplayer games with other folks, but there's definitely been times in the past, you know, five or six years where I kind of, uh, long to have somebody local who, you know, would be happy to throw down for, you know, a couple hours playing NBA Jam on the Genesis or to, uh, uh, you know, just otherwise kind of enjoy my retro gaming hobby with me, uh, that, uh, playing online doesn't, doesn't quite scratch that itch, especially since it's all newer stuff. So I, I, I think, I feel like you probably have folks like that around that, that do that pretty regularly, right? Yeah. Uh, I, or I could like Hobie, um, he, he comes over and we'll watch movies or play some games. Sometimes we, we had some Neo Geo bouts not too long ago. And, uh, the most recent was when my brother-in-law came and visited and, um, we spent one night playing, you know, about six, seven hours with a whole bunch of different games. And, I have uh, other local friends who I went to college with and who I work with who we game together, though it's uh, we haven't done it as frequently lately, especially since I've had a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also done some uh, land, you know, PC land parties with some, you know, shooters and strategy games like StarCraft and all that not too long ago. So I, I basically have that uh, if I really wanted it. And really, for several of those, all it is is a, a phone call and a, hey, you want to do this? And usually I get a, yeah, let's do it. And it's usually not a problem. So, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have, uh, sort of like in my day to day life, I don't have many friends who are really into games. And, yeah. uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, I, and, and which is something I did have for probably the first 20 some years of my life. Like, so, you know, like I had, my, I had a little brother, um, who was only a few years younger than me. So, you know, we, re- we regularly played games together all the time and we had friends in the neighborhood or, uh, friends from school come over or I'd go over to other friends' houses and that kind of stuff. And then in college, of course, there's a big built in, community of people who uh often have an interest but uh yeah like past past college uh that that really fell off which is fine like you know because it it happened to coincide nicely with the rise of online gaming and so i can still get that uh some of that multiplayer itch scratched but uh yeah like like i don't i don't have anyone uh sort of how uh kelso in him here is saying that that has like a like a real strong passion for retro gaming that I kind of hang out with and play games with, with any kind of regularity. Yeah. Well, passion for retro gaming, not quite as much. Uh, I have some friends that'll play them. Uh, Hobie, the only problem with Hobie and I is there's not as many games we both like to play. They have different genre uh, interests. Very, yeah. That, that's one issue, but there, we have enough, uh, like f- we played some fighting games and some other games where it's uh, close enough, but he's very, He's very hates it or loves it type of guy. So mm-hmm. he's one of those I refuse to play that kind of person. You know, okay, almost <laughs> to a degree. So if it's something and he knows what he likes and doesn't like, and uh, so that limits some of our choices sometimes. But you know, for the most part, if we want to, though, half time we end up not playing games when he comes over and just hanging out and doing other stuff. So yeah, but uh, I I have that if I if I need it. But I haven't even really been playing online as much lately. I, I did a lot with MMOs. Uh, multiplayer, and then uh, these uh, sports leagues I'm in, I get my competitive multiplayer itch scratched from those. So, uh, and it's also you know that was a great way to keep in touch with a lot of my old friends was to play those uh, multi- online multiplayer games where you know you kind of move apart from each other type of thing. So yeah, 
Well, I, I suspect in about two or three years here, I'll have a regular multiplayer gamer in the house. Yeah. So, you know, not, yeah. not quite yet, but uh, pretty soon. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I mean, there are some good suggestions in the thread. We don't want to rehash the whole thread. There's some good suggestions in the thread that folks make for uh, ways of kind of uh, you know, finding folks, whether that be um, uh, going to local events or game related conferences or, um, you know, you probably don't want to play like, put it like a, you probably don't want to put like an ad on Craigslist, like, hey, come play games with me. But yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's like, you know, uh, just, just connecting to folks in the racket community. So for example, there, you know, there was a, uh, uh, there are a couple of Racket Boy members who live in the area who I have from time to time played played games with or gone hunting for games with. It's pretty far and few between that that's happened, but um, you know, there, there's been regional meetups, uh, you know, for for folks across the country that are associated with Racket Boy. So, you know, it, it's I don't see a problem with kind of uh, making connections with people who originally you, you do that online with, and, yeah. and then uh, fostering something sort of more regular there. So. There are ways to do that, but... Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I did meet Hobie through Wreck-It, and right. we actually... One of the things we do most is we go game hunting together. We've been to the you know, the flea market several times, or I'll get some Craigslist find, and it's really big, and he knows some game stuff I know uh, that I don't know, and, you know, vice versa, that, you know, we can kind of... Uh, Worked in together to find the you know the good deals or come up with a good price or, or look at some condition stuff. So we we both each have our different levels of uh, knowledge base, and he he's very knowledgeable. So he'll come with me, and you know we had our big score a couple of years ago, and or was it last year I guess, uh, and our uh, you know, other gaming finds or even the you know uh, the, he's going to probably go with me to look at that cab this weekend just to kind of get another set of eyes. So he he's helped me do a lot of that stuff. So uh, that that's actually been nice it, it makes it a little more fun to have something to go with and just you know hunting games by yourself yeah i mean and, and and on the other hand there is something like kind of nice about having a hobby that's unique that like so like i mean there's lots of things i can enjoy with my friends that have nothing to do with gaming and i, I kind of like that and it's, yeah. it's kind of nice to be able to escape into a hobby that like you know not everyone's always kind of pestering about or wanting to get involved with um uh-huh. <laughs> so so don't 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 uh completely knock the fact that uh you know, you're, you're doing this more solo and uh, enjoy that, especially since you like a lot of solo games. Uh, as a, talking to the thread starter here, but um, yeah. Anyway, so that was my forum thread of the fortnight. Uh, you know, I, I I think we've joked about this before that uh, sometimes I've had the impulse to put on here the forum thread of the fortnight is that there is no forum thread of the fortnight because yeah. Um, and uh, things have been. A little bit slow, I think, of late. But you you managed to find one as well. So why don't you go ahead and talk a bit about the one you put up? Yeah, well, well, back to the comment you just made. I think a lot of the good threads are are rehash threads that kind of go on and on, where good discussions pop in and out, to where not a lot as many good new threads to yeah. talk about, which is probably the biggest issue. But mine is from member Wisp Mage, and he talks about dealing with a perfectionist playstyle. And uh, he didn't see any other similar threads when he posted, but uh, when he plays uh, particularly highly immersive single player stealth games. Um, he put examples like Bioshock, uh, Deus Ex, Assassin's Creed, etc. Uh, he struggles with being able to just pay, play casually and accept whatever mistakes he makes. Uh, he says he just wants to, you know, sometimes he wants to just shrug off uh, his blunders and just deal with the con- consequences and take things as they come, but he cannot shake the feeling that he has to get it all just perfect and right. And so he's talked about how he will... Uh, 
uh, barely get hurt and restart, reload a save to you know get a perfect run through, mm-hmm. or he tackles a you know attacks a hill on Skyrim and he gets a little bit too hurt or things don't go exactly the way he wants, so he'll reload it to get that perfect movie like uh, he ran down the you know ran up the hill and slaughtered him without being touched type of experience. So uh, he he almost seems like it's to his own gaming detriment that he does it, but he can't help himself from doing it. Do you? Uh, what, what do you? What, we we had some pretty good responses in this. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that problem. <laughs> um, I'm 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 happy to uh, uh, not worry about getting the perfect ending and not uh, not worry about having the perfect run. But I mean, I you know, I mean, my my approach is that I have this really big backlog of games, and there's also a lot of games that come out every year that I want to play. And so it's more important to me to kind of move through that and have a good sense of the game and say I've experienced it and, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe gotten to an ending of it, uh, as opposed to, to worrying about like perfecting a few, right? So, cause I, I feel like with that play style, there's that, like, that's probably the most antithetical approach to playing games if you're really serious about moving through a collection. Um, but if you don't have a big collection and you're, you're really, interested in kind of getting the most out of a smaller set of games. Like I can value what he's trying to do, but I can't relate to it. Yeah. I don't think he has either of those things in mind when he plays. I think it's just, uh, he almost can't help himself. That's the way he naturally wants to do it. And that's how he immerses himself in these games. Yeah. How I kind of read it. Have you ever played that way? I mean, are you, do you do that at all? Sometimes, uh, I play in a way. That's what also, gets causes me to not beat some of the games I play and it's some, maybe not exactly the way he does it but like with some RPGs and I want to get all the side quests done I want to complete everything I want to get you know uh, get all the best weapons and get all the characters and their you know whatever special items within reason and then go and beat the game you know and mm-hmm. kind of really complete it and sometimes in doing so I get bored because there's no story progression yet I feel like I, I if I just go and beat it, I like left things unattended in the game, and I didn't get you know the full value of it. So I, I do struggle with that sometimes, and uh, I'm doing that with Tactics Ogre, so I still haven't beaten that. I'm doing all the side quest shit. Yeah, how's Dragon Age going? <laughs> Dragon Age is that's that's not because of uh, this though. That's just more of a and actually I still have the disc out on my desk ready to be played at any moment. That was more of a. What stopped that was together RPG. Oh, okay. You know, you put Dragon Dragon Age in together RPG. I'd be happy to jump back in. Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily put them in. We have a little ready now, but I I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, People might think that's a bit too too new still. Probably. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of people won't have computers to run it. Um, Really? You don't think people uh, have computer run Dragon Age? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, But... That's I, I brought it up because uh, there's something a different, th- interesting thing to talk about that uh, we don't always talk about. I think most people didn't have this issue, but a few sympathized with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, I don't think, and I don't think he needs to feel bad. Like so, the way that the, the thread is phrased is like, "Hey, does anyone have this problem?" And I, I don't, I don't know that uh, it needs to be considered a problem per se. I mean, if, if it's something that. Uh, that that is absolutely like stopping your enjoyment of playing a game. Then yeah, I suppose it's it's well. It's he a says he, he yeah. wants to have a balance. That he yeah. enjoy, I think I have some more of a balance than he does. Where I can 
let there, I don't have to go in a battle and not take damage. I, I lived. Okay, like Baldur's Gate, I, mean, I scrapped through it. Two of my guys lived. Uh, battles won, good to go. You know, I, you know, I res everyone up and get moving. I don't have to, you know, I think that's part of the fun for me is, uh, you know, if a game offered no challenge, I never got hurt, I never died, I wouldn't have fun. Right, so, so maybe maybe the, I mean, maybe the solution is to just make sure that you are, as you're playing these games that you're kind of really meticulously moving through, regularly kind of cycle in, games that you you don't care right that yeah. you're just like happy to kind of play mindlessly and uh that you may or maybe something that you you have just such expertise in that like that's not even a consideration that you could screw up you know just like find ways to to basically pro- provide balance that way as opposed to worrying about uh trying to find balance in a in a game where you think that's going to be really hard to do because of your you know a- approach well, a game we've both played, like Last of Us. I, I would see him going through Last of Us and yeah. making sure he stealth killed every single guy, oh, and didn't yeah, alert anyone, yeah, right. and didn't get attacked, and all that stuff. You know, where me, I tried to do it that way, but if I got found and I could kill him, I killed him. You know, so. Uh, but he says he, what's contradictory to me is he says he doesn't want to break immersion. Well, reloading a save and then fighting it over and over again breaks immersion to me as well. So. I guess him sitting there getting hit 5,000 times and not dying and just regenerating your health isn't very, you know, realistic either, but I think you got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, yep. So, well, interesting interesting to think about, uh, you know, the, the different approaches people have um, yep. and the reasons why they have them. So, let's go ahead and move into our uh, questions and feedback. It looks like uh, we have a, a pretty reasonable list of stuff here. Uh, have, you, have you checked since uh, since we started the show to see if there's anything, no, let me any check late now. additions? You can start on our first question. Okay, so our, our first question comes from uh, Opa Opa, who uh, says, uh, is the disdain that the gaming community holds towards companies for quote-unquote shady DLC practices, such as disc-locked content or day-one DLC, is that disdain mostly unwarranted? So in other words, is there uh, uh, a, a good reason to hold that, that anger and that uh, resentment for... What's, what's essentially trying to extort or at least uh, suggest that players should take should spend extra money on a game or is that a uh, is that an unreasonable anger I think it's mostly <clears throat> unreasonable but I can see why they get mad it, on it, taking it face value oh it's already on the game I'm buying the disc I should be able to you know get whatever's on the disc because I bought it and it's mine now I can understand that line of thinking for sure however, if you go and you understand how a lot of these games are made, uh, many a times you wouldn't, that wouldn't be there to begin with if they didn't have the promise or the likelihood that they're going to be able to monetize that extra content. So, with that being said, while it's on the disc and all that, just having disc space isn't, doesn't really cost money. You know, it's actually the work put into creating that content. So when these games are first made and, you know, they go, you know, one of the early things they do is they, you know, start making up a schedule and, uh, they, you know, brainstorming, okay, what kind of, you know, get us some ideas of what we're going to have in the game and what's not. And so they start kind of, you know, getting a, a, a fairly broad outline of what's going to be in the game. And, you know, they have budget constraints, they have time constraints, they have, uh, you know, manpower constraints. So they say, okay, we can do this, this, and this. One guy has an idea, oh, I'd really like to have this in there too. Well, when it all shakes out, you know, that's going to get cut. They go, well, maybe we can keep this item if we make it into a DLC and get a little extra money out of it. Then we can justify spending the time and resources on doing it. 
That's really how a lot of these games become DLC. Is that, or a lot of these items become DLC. Is that, you know, how many games have we played before DLC was even around where there are scenes and things cut we just didn't know they were cut and we never got because they just didn't have the time or the resources to play, you know, to put it in, in the game to begin with. And there's a lot of actually, you can see a, there's a lot of game uh, or places, you know, uh, areas, levels, and games like. Uh, GoldenEye comes to mind, where there's some areas you can explore that are, you know, just nothing but open area. Mm-hmm. It's basically canceled stages that they couldn't finish. Well, nowadays, that probably would have been some sort of DLC, and they could have continued working on it, or, or put the time, or, or you know, the, the budget into doing that. So, while on face value, I think it seems shady, if you really understand how a lot of the business practices work, and how these games are made, and how they're scheduled, everything's on a tight schedule. They just don't kind of make it, and make it, and okay, it's done now, we have the game done, and here it is. No, they, it's it's a business, and it, it's more put into it. And while I think maybe some of it is somewhat could possibly be shady. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, be naive and think that all of it's done exactly that way. While I think there's some fighting games where they have so a few extra characters that probably could have been easier put in the game than maybe some others like extra levels and such. Yeah, I think for the most part that's how it's done, and the only reason why you have that content to begin with is the promise of future DLC sales on top of it that we just would not have it otherwise. So I'd rather have that option to get the extra and pay for it than just not have it at all is my thinking. Yeah. So I guess I, I have uh two two thoughts on this. Um one is that the uh that I, I absolutely understand the, the disdain that people have for this this uh these quote unquote shady practices of uh you know disc disc based DLC or day one DLC that clearly was made prior to the game's release. Um one of those is that the the time to complain about this like is probably five years past now, if not more, right? So that uh, like I and and I think this is a complaint that mostly comes from uh, you know people who have long played games and have expected that the game that they buy is a finished final product, and and I think that um, you know the the industry had a moment where they tested this to see if it was something players were interested in, if it was something they'd be able to make money on, if it's something that would cause a backlash, and it didn't. And they did, and people did buy it. And so you're right. It's absolutely now baked into the practices of preparing and budgeting the game and, and figuring out, you know, how to, how to best monetize it. So, um, so while people might still be upset about it, like there was a time where that anger or disdain may have found a audience in the industry and it may have been worth getting upset about. I think that time has now passed. Um, my, my other thought on this is that though, uh, that the, the, the kind that, uh, the kind that irritates me that's not really mentioned here that I, I think might still be worth, uh, <laughs> criticizing is, uh, is the, uh, more recent trend of, uh, day one DLC that's basically pay to win the game DLC, right? Where you are able to unlock, uh, all the weapons or levels or XP or, you know, whatever it is that you need to kind of level up and advance and become Superman in the game or whatever. Um, uh, I mean, it's one thing in single player games. I mean, ultimately that just hurts the person buying it because it's cheapening the experience. But when that kind of thing exists in stuff like fighting games and players can basically, uh, you know, uh, buy all of the, uh, the things they need in order to, to have the most powerful characters or, or in, uh, uh, more competitive games where people can, can buy, uh, all of the, all of the guns or all of the, 
uh, armors or, you know, grenades or whatever. Like when, when people can buy those things right when the game comes out and other people have to really work to earn them, um, that to me creates, uh, uh, probably, and, and I think the reason why it's still worth arguing and complaining about that is because I think that ultimately that ends up doing more to hurt the potential community around that game and it, and its long-term, uh, interest than, uh, than this other stuff does, right? So the other stuff is, as long as this day one extra release stuff isn't essential or isn't a huge advantage to one having enjoyment with the game and, and having, uh, ability to be competitive in it, then it's fine, and I, and I don't think it's worth complaining about. But that that this newer pay-to-win stuff, I think, this is the last year and a half or two, uh, especially. I, I think that's worth still kind of raising a fuss about. Yeah, I think some of the pay-to-win is... Uh, I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, in single-player games, that's one thing. Like, I mean, again, you're just kind of doing yourself a disservice. But in, in games that where uh, it's a multiplayer-based, I think while you might get a lot of the... Well, you might end up making some money off of it in the short term from people who just bought the game and they're struggling and now they want to be able to kick a bunch of butt in multiplayer. I, I think ultimately you're doing a lot more to hurt your long-term prospects of success. You know, short-term gains for long-term losses. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. To do a pay-to-win? Not necessarily. See, a lot of it's pay-to-win or some of it it's more considered a time saver. Or you pay to stop to not have to grind. Or you pay to... Uh, some people like that grind. Are you paid to, you know, uh, customize your guy? You know what I mean? As far as looks and some of that, I could see. Well, where customization, people... I think, is different because that's not. There's nothing competitive yeah. about that. It's right. it's the stuff where it's, it's the stuff where it's, there's a competitive element, and you yeah. can pay money and have a competitive edge. Like, I mean, yes. So you're saving time and money of over grinding, but I, I still think that's not a. Uh, I, th- I think that does more to harm the the community around the game than to help it. It's, it's possible, yeah. yeah. I can see that argument. Yeah. But anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to the next question. So, All right. Jagosaurus uh, says, a uh, simple one here. Uh, your favorite RPG story and favorite RPG uh, – sorry, favorite non-RPG story in games. Uh, his favorite RPG story award goes to Dragon Quest V. For non-RPG, I'm indifferent and would like to hear yours and Dave's input. Hmm. That's a really tough question. <laughs> um. It's, you know, over so many games, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go just with, uh, two that I, two games that I, uh, I guess popped to mind first, and it's not that they're necessarily, if I were, so if I were to sit and think about it, I could probably come up with some games that I actually think are stronger, um, but they're two that left an impact on me at the time, right? So, um, I, I, probably the first, and I'm not alone here, and a lot of people are going to groan, uh, but probably the first RPG to really kind of suck me in and uh, give me a story that I found compelling and make me want to, to drive through to, to finish it uh, would, would be Final Fantasy VII. Um, and it's a lot, it's a gateway RPG for a lot of people, and again, a lot of people kind of are irritated at the game and its reputation because of that, but um, I, I found that, you know, and, and what I found, I think the reason why I still hold that game in high esteem for its story is because as I explored games since, uh, you know, they came out after and before, as I sort of delved into the history of the genre a bit more, I found that it, it did a really nice job of incorporating and, uh, amplifying a lot of the tropes of the genre in, in a way that, uh, uh, you know, captured a lot of what makes it a good genre. Um, 
So that would be my RPG story. But, you know, I, like, I really like David Gator's writing in the Dragon Age series too. And, yeah. um, that, that would be, uh, you know, more recent, um, and Bioware stuff in general, Mass Effect, you know, also really strong story. But, uh, Final Fantasy VII, so this is again, like, if I start thinking about it, I could probably sum up with other stuff, but Final Fantasy VII is one that pops in my head early for a, uh, I guess a JRPG favorite story and, and maybe the Dragon Age games for a Western RPG. For a non-RPG, um, I, I, I might go with The Last of Us, um, you know, again, uh, in part because it, uh, I, I tend to like films that also, um, sort of leave you irritated at the end and, and where you respect the, uh, um, the gut punch <laughs> that the director. <laughs> so like, I think we've talked about this before. Like I really like, um, uh, uh, like no country for old men, for example, right? Like yeah. that, that movie just kind of hangs at the end and you're sort of still left wondering some things. And it's, well, it's, it's, also, it's not, uh, it's not a nice narrative closure. Um, the, like the, Braveheart kind of gives you that feeling too. Well, that's Braveheart's more of a, more of a straightforward tragedy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's more conventional. Um, like it's not, there's there's a long history of like the hero dying, right? Um, it, what 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 I like is uh, a. Uh, we well, said the gut punch, so. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> uh, the gut the, the gut punch I'm talking about is a gut punch that sort of defies your expectations for what you expect the story to do. Cube was like that for me too. Um, yeah, because the end of Cube is well, the end of Cube still has some it has some ambiguity, but it's a bit more hopeful, I think. Um, no, I think it's not hopeful at all. The end of Cube, where the guy, he gets the, 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 the guy with, uh, autism or whatever, go, he walks out. There out of, they, what's out there? Endless human stupidity or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but the, the one guy. It's not very but, optimistic. But, but one guy gets out. <laughs> what, what, the one guy gets out, though. Yeah, but the guy that gets out is, well, I don't want to spoil it too yeah, much. Yeah, well, we've already said someone gets out, but anyway, we, we, we can spoil a 15 year old movie. But, yeah. uh, anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 again, because it's, it's recent, it's fresh in my mind. Um, and again, like I like Ken Levine's work in the Shock series as well. Um, you know that, that some of that has more to do with the um, uh, the the creation of atmosphere and kind of the surrounding story more so than the main story in those games necessarily. But um, th- th- those are what I'm going to go with anyway. If I thought more, I'm sure I could come up with other stuff. I don't like uh, point and click games, and a lot of people would point to those as some of their favorite stories. Yeah. Um, outside of the RPG genre, I don't, I don't, uh, think I've ever played a, uh, a platformer or a shmup or any, any kind of arcade style game that, that has a story that's really compelling to me. So, you know, I, I'm kind of limited here to, uh, outside the RPG genres, like, you know, genres that, uh, first, adventure, first person, action. third person shooters, action adventure. Yeah. And, uh, maybe the Kane series, Legacy of Kane series would be, uh, another place I would look as a, as having a really strong story throughout. I've always heard Half-Life is a very strong story from some people. Um, I haven't. You haven't played Half-Life? I have to a degree some, and I've played uh, a lot of Counter-Strike, but not, oh, I no, not the okay. whole Yeah, you got to play the Half-Life games. Um, yeah, yeah, they're good. Um, and they, they set a lot of, so they, they set a lot of uh, precedent for storytelling techniques, whether or not the story yeah. itself, the problem is the story itself is, uh, it's it ends on cliffhangers. Um, certainly, the second one does, and uh, it's it's not a um, yeah. It, it's I mean it's it, it draws on a lot of sci-fi convention 
and uh, it, it feels more pulpy to me ultimately, yeah. um, which is fine. I, I appreciate a good pulp story too, but it's not it's, it's not one that pops to my head early as a for for storytelling technique. Sure, for story itself, no. I'm just going by what I've been. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned it. So, <clears throat> what what else would you say? Well, what, oh, what, go, yeah, mine, go ahead, yeah, go ahead uh, and say what you. So for RPGs and then for uh, mine are tough. My one would be Tactics Ogre. I uh, I've talked about that. I love the story, the political intrigue, and the, the kind of stuff that happens in that. That uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know that Final Fantasy Tactics is, is similar and pretty good as well. Though the the the, uh, the translation kind of gets in its own way. Would you Would you be surprised uh, to learn I I barely remember the story at all from Tactics Ogre? Really? Yeah. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's like there's this is like this, uh yeah, I sort of remember some of it, like uh the main character, like his home gets burned down early on and he's all mad about it and it turns out that like someone in the party is a royalty and I mean, it's like it's kinda of a lot of trope convention, right? No, uh his no. No, alright. See I don't remember it. Yeah. I'm I guess I'm someone wrong. Someone is someone is in his party's royalty, it's a sister. Yeah. But it's a lot of intrigue. It, the the whole village gets burned down, and people are slaughtered. Right, yeah, I remember that. And then yeah. his dad is is kidnapped. I don't, I don't it's remember really, that. <laughs> it's not really his dad. It's a priest that took over, uh, that you know, raised him. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah. there's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of. It's more of a. a it's kind of more of like a Game of Thrones type of uh, scenario, where, where with the you know the 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 kingdom, the war, the the. Uh, all the, the, you know, this guy does this, and you know they're allies, and now they're not allies, and you kind of go through, and there's three different, you know, major paths that really changes the way the story, you know, plays out. Uh, but I can see how some might get lost in the story, as it's not as you know, there's a lot of breaks where you have these big battles and such, so it, it kind of chops it up sometimes. So I don't mean why, but to me, it's you know, it was really, really good story. Um, Final Fantasy VI is another one, and that it may not be as good of a story now as when I first played it. I was really into it, and uh, I still think it's strong, but maybe not as strong as it was when I first played it back in the nineties. But for its time, it was great. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. See, I played it I after know. seven, and I I quite like the story of six, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe it's just I still like it better yeah, than sevens yeah. either way, yeah. but. Um, Let's see. Those are two. The Knights of the Old Republic was a good one. The Mass Effect series. And most of the Bioware ones uh, usually strike a, a pretty good chord with me. Uh, I also like Suicune 2 a lot. Uh, had, a, had a good story in it. Uh, some great characters. What about outside the uh, RPG genre? Outside of the RPG genre, I would say, well, it kind of goes into it to a degree, but I never really hear people talk about but I really love the, the lore and all that of Warcraft. Uh, That's an RPG. Well, I guess it's a real-time no, strategy. It's not. Yeah, okay. It's a well, yeah, yeah, up until right, right, right. up until uh, yeah. World so, of Warcraft. so, so when you're talking about the lore and the story of World Warcraft, are you exclu- ever talking about excluding World of Warcraft from that? No, uh, that that so, continues so, so, on all right, pretty so, well. So, if you leave World of Warcraft and what you know from it out, does that argument still hold? Yeah. yeah. Yep, I, okay. I still like the first. Okay. The first one wasn't much of one. The second one kind of digs in more, and it's not so much the game does it so well. It's it's uh, this sounds like the, the writing or anything, but it's all the little things put together, 
and then all the backstories that come up and you know how did this happen who's this guy kind of thing I, i've always really enjoyed the uh the lore and the story behind the, that whole series uh maybe i'm not alone maybe i'm you know what the you know what are you talking about but that's one uh the last of us was a good one i, I was gonna concur with that i uh that was a pretty gripping tale to you know or it's like oh more story less uh sneaking up on these same guys have been fighting all game long yeah so <laughs> th- that was one um i'm trying to think of some others uh I know there's some, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, I should have mentioned that." Yeah, game, yeah, you yeah. Know? But uh, you know, up until recently, there, you know, unless you played an RPG, that was the only game that really had stories. That and like point and clicks. So uh, it's uh, maybe some of the more recent games. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, a lot of the old, you know, 16-bit, 8-bit, just regular games are, you know. A few lines of story and action, and that's what people wanted. You yeah, know, but there's, there's there's the 32 and the 128 bit. <laughs> I mean, the, those generations had plenty of story. So I mean, you could look at the, there's yeah. the Grand Theft Auto games. You could look at the Metal Gear Solid games. The Grand Theft Auto the, game. Most of those didn't really have good stories. All right, well, they had stories. Okay, yeah, it, 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 do this yeah. mission. Okay, sure, sure. do this mission. Yeah. Um, what about the what about Metal Gear? You played the Metal Gear series? I haven't played enough of that. Yeah. To, I've heard some some. I've heard mixed things. I've heard some yeah. really love it, and I think it's more of a, they like the lore too. But they have the story and the dialogue and the stuff may not be as strong. But like the characters and the whole world, they like. I've heard, but um, yeah, plenty of first-person shooters have had stories over the years. Yeah, Halos are yeah, all right, Halo but series, most yeah. of them are just kind of you know, yeah, it was it was good enough. Most yeah. first-person shooter stories are good enough, but they're not. Uh, you know, uh, I think the. Uh, played the Rainbow Six Vegas stories are they're all right they're you know like a little action movie sort of so but it's nothing like oh that was you know amazing it's it was just enough to uh, uh, push you along you know Did you play any of the Bioshock games yeah I, that's another one I hear I played I haven't played enough to give a did good you, did you play the first one through because a lot of people point no. to that as a great story and, yeah and, and, and I and I, I can see I can I, see that or I, I think it's ultimately a better story than the second one but uh, yeah or a better telling of the same story perhaps but um, or yeah, there's also infinite people uh, either love or hate sure kind of no I, I love both I think they're both excellent yeah. in their own right but uh, those are ones I've been meaning I've played a few hours of the first Bioshock yeah. but I haven't gone too far into it and it's one of those things where I, I think I was playing WoW and it kind of at the same time and it uh prevented me from really uh, getting involved with it with it but i think i think we've talked about this one enough okay all right there'll probably be more <laughs> sure but uh, we can talk about game stories all night long you know oh this is good that's good yeah but yeah some feedback uh you can go ahead and start okay so uh noise redux i'm proud you guys actually made it through that one oh, this is from our last show I would yep. have probably rage crit around the time John knocked over the can of air. Oh, this was the episode where you had all kinds of uh, sound <laughs> effects and smoke yep, detectors yep. and everything else going off. Uh, also, I know this is nitpicky, but I don't like when games such as Sturmwind, Neo XYX, etc. are called homebrew. Uh, I actually corrected myself earlier in this episode on this point. To me, homebrew denotes a sort of hobbyist thing that is just kind of shared within that community. I think of things like Beats of Rage mods, but stuff like Rush, Rush... Gunlord Ducks, I think of as independently published, unlicensed games. I mean, they are mass-produced and distributed by major retailers. You can find these games on Amazon, PlayAsia, etc. with professional packaging. When Redux is brought 
to PSN or expect live arcade. I doubt you would call it homebrew rather than an indie game. So, uh, I mean, I think that's a fair point to a point. Like, uh, there's a long history of games that, um, have been considered homebrew that have also had some kind of physical release. So, uh, like, whether that, like, I would guess that, um, you know, when, when I, when Ed Freeze was on the show and talked about, uh, Halo 2600, like, he talked about that yeah. as a homebrew game, but that game has been, uh, had a couple of runs, a couple of print runs, uh, through Atari Age. Um, there's, I mean, an Atari, speaking, sticking with Atari, like, there's a, uh, a long history of 2600 games. There's a, there's a history of Jaguar games, um, that have had releases through sort of small, independent labels and sort of limited runs um, that are still generally called homebrew by those communities that are kind of most into those scenes and you know, stuff like that for Nintendo and Genesis and, and so forth as well. Um, so I, I'm not sure if this dividing line is quite as clear as the idea indicated here is. Um, I don't know. What's your thought? Uh... I think it's one of those nitpicky things where you can uh, really call them either one in the understanding of what they are. Uh, I guess homebrew is kind of indie, and indie is kind of homebrew, if that makes sense. No. <laughs> no? No, not really. What do you mean? Well, I mean, what's homebrew? Something Some guy sat there and made on a, you know on his own, whether it be uh, modding an existing game or creating some little thing of his own. Whereas indie is, what's it? A guy making a game on his own that just doesn't have a publisher. Sometimes you can do indie with more, but there's also, you know, like Dust was made by one guy. Was that also kind of homebrew? Yeah. I mean, but I think a lot of people do refer to homebrew as, it seems like to be stuff that's made unlicensed or maybe sometimes for. Yeah, see, Dust wouldn't say, so yeah, I mean, maybe that's like indie stuff I think of as licensed stuff, right? So. Maybe that's the the way that I've always thought of it is that if it's an indie release, it has some kind of a uh, uh, affiliation with the platform on which it's being released, yeah. right? So, um, so even like the stuff. What about the unlicensed NES carts that were made back then? Are those those are, are those homebrew? I would call those homebrew. But by this, so by 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 Noise's argument here is that since that stuff has been available at at retailers or you can buy them online and. In, you know, they were published uh, in that sense, like they they would count as an indie release. And, and I don't think that's really the case. I think there are companies that publish homebrew stuff. I, I really think my understanding of indie is that, I mean, like if you borrow this from the music industry, right? Like an, an indie, uh, an indie group is a band that is on a label that has a, uh, some sort of a contract, right? Yeah. Um, it might be a small or, contract or a small label, but they, they have some kind of a, or, or they're, um, I mean, that's, so I think subsequently bands that have no label and do their own stuff have been called that, but sort of traditionally, like the understanding of that word is that like you're, you're when you go back to, to vinyl and, uh, even early days of, you know, cassette or CDs at one point, like if you're going to, uh, if you're going to be an indie band, you are signed to an indie label that, basically produces your albums for you because you don't have the machinery to do that yourself. Yeah. And, um, so, so I, to my, my understanding is that the same logic has extended. Well, to sometimes the game it's also to self-publishing guys that self-published. 
we're count as indie. But yeah, but there's no there's yeah. no homebrew designation of music either. So this is also like a tough. Yeah. It's a tough analogy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think. I think that indie, indie, I think there's indie, some overlap, indie, yeah. and there's some very fine lines. Yeah, and I, I think you can have other. I think you'll hear a lot of people argue this in different ways, but but for me, yeah. I, I think if there's, if it's affiliated with a, uh, if it's affiliated with the, the company that makes the hardware, at the time the hardware is being produced, um, it, it would count as as uh, an indie release as opposed to a homebrew release, which is usually unlicensed. That's fine. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's go with the next All one. All right. Last feedback item. Uh, Blue says said, interesting insights on the Nintendo financial situation. Uh, we discussed that a good bit last time. I hadn't been following it closely and didn't realize they might be approaching dire straits. Funny to see how the industry has shifted after such a long period of dominance in the 80s and through the mid-90s. I never thought about how Nintendo 64's sales performance might have injured the GameCube. Cool points, Jay Mustang, which is me, of course. Yeah, yeah, you made some cool points about Nintendo's dire straits. I don't know. I don't, I don't think Nintendo's in dire straits. Well, about the poor Wii U sales. Yeah, the Wii U's not doing well, but Nintendo's fine. Uh, they're not as fine as they were a few years ago. But well, no, but I, mean, I, I would yeah. say dire straits are not so bad. But some people are. They're not. You know, they're not facing the bankruptcy, or I mean, they, they're facing yeah. maybe another failed system at, at worst. Uh, maybe the Wii U will end up being a niche console that we can pick up in a bargain bin like I did with a Virtua Boy. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's already it's much more, more successful along than the lines that. Of the GameCube. Yeah. Yep. I think I think it set itself up for a GameCube run. So, which I mean, which means that it. If it follows that trajectory, then uh, yes, you will be able to pick it up cheaply eventually, probably sooner rather than later, and it will have a uh, a nice library of sort of uh, niche, Though, niche games. But I don't think its library is anywhere near as strong as the GameCube was yet. Oh well, yeah, and you know it's only been out for a little bit. Right. But yeah. The other thing though is it could be expensive if they don't make a lot of these, and there's not a lot of those controllers around. Yeah. Huh. That could you know that could be one of those. Hotter, hotter, hard to find items that ends up being more expensive than the the hardware, the console hardware itself. Yeah, I maybe. can see that happening. Maybe. But uh, yeah, thank thank you for the uh, the props there, Blue. I don't get enough appreciation around here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the uh, the the uh, we'll we'll let you hold your head up high <laughs> as the expert of all things Wii U. <laughs> Ah, ah, I bask in the glory. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think that's it for us tonight. Okay. Sorry, we uh, it's been a while since you've heard our lovely voices and uh, no sound effects this time. Uh, I'm sorry for those who enjoyed that. So I think uh, Apple, our uh, fearless editor, will appreciate it though. Yeah, and less less sound editing work for him to, to have to deal with this time. So yep. But all right, well, uh, we'll thank you all again for listening and. Uh, Invite you if you're not already to uh, leave feedback uh, on this show in in the, either the Racket Boy forums or uh, send us a message on Twitter at Racket Boy Pod CST or uh, email us at uh, podcast at RacketBoy dot com or otherwise just just drop us a line and stay in touch. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks and hopefully with some shows soon uh, with with some people other than just John and I ch- talking. Um, hopefully about other interesting things. So. Uh, any last thoughts, John? That's it. Right. Put us in the mood, Dave. All right. Well, until next time, <laughs> here's some music to do just that. 